This is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are glad in it. Uh, my name is Paul, and I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation, and it is great to see all of you. We are thankful that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us today. We don't take it for granted that in the midst of the cold, amidst the summer <laughs> of the cold winter, that you decided to spend some time with us. I pray that before you even got here in the parking lot at the door, you were met by the love of Jesus Christ and certainly I pray through the worship experience you have already encountered him. We are glad that you are here um, today. Last week, we kicked off a sermon series entitled Reconciled to God. Reconciled to God. And we talked a bit about how Jesus is able, looking at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 through 27, we talked about how he is able to save us completely from the penalty of sin as well as from the power of sin. We alluded to the Lord's Prayer, which says, Lord, let your will be done. You know that part of the Lord's Prayer? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and we thought, well, thank you for saving us from the penalty of sin. It's a good thing to not have to go to hell. That's good news. But something about that prayer to me says we ought to want to bring heaven here. So God, how do we participate well in seeing heaven here on earth? And he is able in that regard, to save us completely and to have us to participate well. And we get that opportunity, which I'm still quite in awe of, to participate in his will, not to be mistaken with our human effort being anything uh, or having anything to do with our salvation. It's this objective work on the cross that allows us to be saved, but that he gives us the invitation. He beckons, he invites us to come and to participate in that process of sanctification and that God loves us that much. I, I remain quite uh, in awe of that. And I want to encourage us today to respond well to that invitation. And so today we're going to continue in this series on being reconciled to God. And to do so, I'd love for us to look at the book of Romans chapter 12. And we'll look at the first couple of verses. Romans chapter 12. We'll look at verses 1 and 2. As you're looking for that, or as you're looking on the screen, <laughs> as it's already there, uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we get to study your word together, the opportunity we get to hear from you, and I pray according to your word, Psalm 119 and 18, that says, open up our eyes so that we might see all that is in your law, because unless you open our eyes, we can't see, we can't understand. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak that you move me out of the way, allow me to be a, just a conduit through whom your voice speaks to us where we are in a way that Monday through Saturday, we can take the next step of obedience in this faith journey. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I'll be reading from the NIV, which you'll see printed here on the screen. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, verse 2, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Turn to your neighbor and just say, be transformed. 
Be Transformed. That is the, the title of our uh, message today. Uh, my wife, I'm looking around the room. Most of you know her, uh, but before I start talking about her, maybe you can raise your hand. Y'all want you to stand up and do that. But this is my beautiful bride, Taylor, of uh, 13 years. Yeah, you can give her some of that. A whole lot of love. Uh, she, um, we've been married for 13 years, three wonderful children, ages eight, six, and two. And it goes without saying for me, though, I think it important to articulate from here that I'm not here if she's not there. And as happy as I am to see you sitting in those seats right now, we're happy you're here. Every Sunday that you come, we're happy. I appreciate that. So hear what I'm saying here. What matters really to me or what is incredibly important to me is seeing her sitting there voluntarily happy with a smile because she knows me better than any of y'all up in here. So she knows the junk and all the drama that comes along with Paul Harris and still remains in that seat. So happy as I am to see you all, it's really when I see you there sitting happy voluntarily that I say, God, you're getting the glory and I'm grateful. My wife of 13 years, oftentimes she and I will have conversations, humorous as they might be, mostly because of her wit, not mine. Um, But they're funny moments where we kind of reflect on our childhood and the experiences that we've had and uh, uh, just the ways of growing up, similarities and differences. She grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in Belmore, New York. She went to uh, Catholic Mass on Sundays. I went to uh, a a Bapticostal church on uh, Sundays and Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays, and I loved every minute of it, Baptists and Pentecostals, for those that didn't catch that reference, kind of a mixture of it was the orientation of or the tradition that I grew up in. And so we'll talk and we'll go back and forth about experiences that we've had, again, similarities, some differences. We'll talk about movies that we have seen or TV shows that we have seen or not seen, and we'll join on each other about the things that the other missed out on, uh, toys that we've played with, so forth and so on. Of course, at times, my only quip with such a witty wife as Taylor is to say something along the lines at some point in the conversation like, I was in church all the time. I didn't have time for all that. (laughs) But when I wasn't being my oh-so-holy child self, uh, that was a joke, as you might imagine. There was no holiness in my youth. I did like to play with some toys. In fact, I watched some cartoons, one of which was the Transformers. Anybody remember the Transformers? They had the whole redo of it recently and all of that. But in the 80s is when we really got introduced to the cartoons and the Optimus Prime and the Decepticons. Let me move on. Nobody's there with me on the Transformers. <laughs> all right, I'm alone. Different analogy. No, uh, but you can take these Transformers and, and move them from a vehicle to a robot, from a robot back to a vehicle. And there was something fascinating for a kid, especially in adults even too, that with your creative imagination, you can do so many things with just how they would go in and in out of those different spaces. And I loved it. But as I thought today in preparation for this message about how I might manipulate those toys, the transformers to go from the vehicle to the robot, our God doesn't manipulate us. He's not a bully in that regard. He allows us to choose. He allows us the privilege 
of saying, I want you to come. I am coming to you. He invites us to the table, so to speak. And the tension, of course, there is, of course, that there are times where we are more comfortable not accepting that invitation, however shallow that comfort might really be. Conforming to the pattern of this world may even at times seem like a good idea, like the right way to go. And so today what I want to emphasize through this passage of Scripture, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, is that conformity is the enemy of renewal. Conformity is the enemy of renewal. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, as we read, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Just like last week's sermon, when there's a therefore, we want to know what it's we want to know what it's there for. So in this therefore, to really know what it's there for, you kind of go, got to go back and read all 11 chapters that precede this one in the book of Romans. So this week, we can all go back and read some of the context, but a broad stroke of what it looks like and what the Apostle Paul is saying as, as the writer of this letter is essentially saying what the gospel is all about, that we are justified or made right only through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross and our faith alone, not by our human effort, and that such justification is available to all. He was speaking to Jew and Gentile here. We're speaking to black and white and zip code here and this and that. The invitation is for all to come to the table, not that our acts garner us any salvation, but that he allows us the privilege of choosing. So Apostle Paul in those first 11 chapters, and really the theme of the book of Romans is that of righteousness, that of our not being able to be right on our own, but only through the work that's been done on the cross. In the last few verses of chapter 11, right before chapter 12, it says, quote, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So then chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, in light of that, therefore, I urge you, I beg you, I invite you, I beseech you, if you grew up on the King James Version like I did, by the mercies of God, in view of God's mercy, in other words, having the proper perspective of his work in our lives, embracing what he alone can do for us and we can't do for ourselves, thinking always about how the breath we are breathing is because he decided to give it to us when we didn't deserve it. We just park there for a minute. I don't attempt at all anymore. I search the scriptures, I pray, but there are some things in life sometimes I just can't explain and won't try to. It's difficult to explain some of the difficult experiences that we might have to go through, but I've learned and am learning. God, help me to see you even in the midst of those. Help me to see your mercy and your grace that's still chasing me down amidst circumstances that I may not readily understand and that are tough to go through. With full awareness of all that he is to us and for us, in view of that, the Father of mercies, offer then your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give up voluntarily. Release all claim or right to your body. 
to him. I think about March 7th, 1965, for the historians in the room. A group of 600 or so marchers were planning a 54-mile march from Selma, Alabama to the Capitol building in Montgomery, Alabama. They get just to maybe the outskirts of Selma when at the Edmund Pettus Bridge where I was fortunate some years ago on the Civil Rights South Tour to walk across and had chills the entire time I did. They meet up with state troopers who then proceed to beat and to release tear gas and to assault these marchers. They were there for a lot of reasons related to the civil rights movement, some of which included the Voting Rights Act, but most recently because Jamie, Jimmy Lee Jackson was murdered just a few weeks before at the hands of state troopers while he was protecting his mother at a civil rights event. Now it's known as Bloody Sunday. I think about that, and I think about how they gave up, they risked their bodies for a cause that they believed in, and how we benefit from that and so many other risking of bodies and, and, and giving up of their bodies for a cause that they believed in. And the cause that the Apostle Paul here is urging us and the readers to believe in is the cause of Christ laid out in chapters 1 through 11, such that we respond well by offering our bodies as living sacrifices. The message translation of the Bible says it this way. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Perfect? Nah. Perfectly submitted? Absolutely. So even if it's you're walking uprightly before him, praise the Lord, or if it's you showing how to repent well when you know you've fallen short, making God recognizable. And why? Because it is our true and our proper worship. It's our reasonable service in view of his mercy. When we know what we're not and we know what he did for us to be where we are, in view of that, it's a reasonable service, true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Something like uh, things where it may be easy for us to receive that scripture. I'm smiling because the only example I can think of right now is that of my kids trying to teach me how to floss. I was trying to move it aside and think of another one. That's the only one there, so we're going with it. And uh, I'm not talking about cleaning my teeth, by the way. But my kids try to teach me how to floss. And so in those moments, I, I embrace that. No, I'm not conformed to this world. <laughs> Mostly because I can't floss. And it looks like the running man no matter what I do. Um, that was the 80s for me. That was the gig, and I could do that. Um, but I can embrace it in that moment. But then there's some other times where I'm like, that's a little harder for me not to conform in that way. Because I see a path here. That's a little easy to do X, Y, or Z. Maybe you, like me, find yourselves in moments where it's not so easy to not conform. Smells good. Looks good. Easy to make a little bit of financial capital by going down this path that is so readily accessible and common. If anybody's been watching the news, it's common, unfortunately, for there to be a pattern in this world that we could conform to. But this text is saying don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, changed into another form, Optimus Prime. 
just like that caterpillar changes from one thing to another completely, that butterfly, so we too are to change. And just like that caterpillar's metamorphosis, which in the Greek version of the New Testament, transformation is just that metamorphosis, complete change from the inside out. It's not a single event, it's a process. Ain't none of us all that, Mark. No, none of us came out the womb holy, and we're not today. I hope that doesn't discourage you. But I hope it kind of puts us all in the same space that says we are in this journey called sanctification, meaning we're being made like him every single day. But that two-letter word, be, B-E, the very subtle but clear invitation is for us to actively engage that process. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your and my mind. And conformity is the enemy of that renewal. When we conform to or we fashion ourselves according to the pattern of this world, essentially we are muting God's voice, turning down the volume. The voice of the one who, the only one capable of doing that renewal or renovation or complete change that we desperately need on a daily basis. It's like turning down the Waze app when you're driving through D.C. or something, you know, like, that's another bad analogy, because sometimes in D.C., GPS gets you all messed up because D.C. is crazy. More like you want, when we drive in D.C., I kind of want to have the little maps that we used to have that starts out this small, and then when you open it up, it's this big. You need to pull over and get one of those jokers. But the point being, it's like turning down the volume on the very voice that we need in our lives to keep us from falling. Jude one twenty four says there's only one right now near our home in uh, right here in Charlottesville off of Cherry Avenue, there's some renovation that's going on in our neighborhood. And we were walking to school with our kids the other day. And I thought to myself, why? What are they, the sidewalk was fine. What are they doing? I walk all around, cross the street here and do this. And so I asked the gentleman, I said, hey, things seem fine. What was going on? And he proceeded to tell me details about which he was aware because he was tapped in, plugged in, if you will, um, in ways that I wasn't. The decay that was occurring underneath that we couldn't see but that over time was going to be very disruptive and perhaps even harmful to me and our kids as we walked to school. So my perspective and posture in that moment changed to thank you for this renewal. Thank you for this renovation. Thank you for the complete change from one form to the other because there are things that you see that I could not see. When we turn down that voice of, 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 of God, when we're turning down the volume of his voice, when we conform to the pattern of this world, might I say things might seem fine. We might even turn it down every now and then and we get used to when we can turn it up a little bit. It's Sunday, let me turn it up. What'd you say? Okay, I'm good. <laughs> it's my mom's coming, whatever. It's Easter, let me turn it up. Okay, I'm good. And we can be deceived into thinking that somehow that, that's working for us. All the while below the surface, there's decay spiritually that will manifest at some point, but even before you ever see it manifest, it's manifesting in ways that are detrimental to our growth and ultimately detrimental to our being able to see clearly the will of God for our lives. But when we decide to turn up that volume, when we say, God, I'm going to have you on blast every day of the week, every hour of the day, when we declare that conformity is the enemy of renewal and we believe that, when we decide to no longer lean on the rule book of our sphere, our culture, when we don't give in or fall prey to the cultural trappings of success, but rather when we are looking to God's word for that, turning up its volume, 
when we choose to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, when we choose to actively engage in the process of being transformed, then, verse 12 says, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to be figuring God's will out with a, a, a damaged, an unrenewed mind. I don't think that's going to end up so well. And maybe it's because I'm about to be 40 this year. I don't know. And it's maybe a midlife thing going on. But I'm thinking I don't have time anymore to be aimlessly going about trying to see what his will is in my life. No, I want to successfully inquire about his will. And Apostle Paul is giving the church in Rome the blueprint and you and I for how to do so. And a renewed mind is essential for it. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, Though outwardly we were wasting away, inwardly we, were being, we are being renewed day by day. When our minds are renewed, when my mind is renewed, I then have a chance at loving you well, Taylor. I have no chance otherwise. I know who I am, what I'm not, how jacked up I am and how jacked up I would be and could be to you without a renewed mind. When my mind, though, is renewed, maybe I'll have something worth saying to the students at UVA that they may remember a day after they graduate or a day after the semester ends, for that matter. Maybe. When my mind is renewed, when our minds are renewed, maybe then we can be a bit more patient, long-suffering, King James Version says. Maybe we can be a bit better an employee, a bit better a spouse, son, daughter, cousin. We'd have a chance at victory if and when our mind is being renewed. We can be the kind of student leader on grounds that we need to be when our minds are being renewed. We can hear more clearly what God is saying to us in this pending retirement in this emptiness space that we are finding ourselves in, wondering, God, is there still something for me to do? Because it doesn't look like what I've done. What is it? As our minds continue to be renewed, his will, perfect will, for you can be made just that clear. And yes, there is something for you to be and do in whatever season of life you find that yourself in. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And oh, our prayer here is, by the way, at Victory Church. And our vision is to see people reconcile to God and each other. It's pretty clear that nobody here is smart enough, connected enough, rich enough, networked enough, or any of that to see that vision come to fruition. But with renewed minds being transformed, there's something we have to say because there's something he has to say about how we can be reconciled to him and each other in this city. Conformity is the enemy of renewal. So this week, tomorrow, how might you be transformed? How might you and me engage this process of having our minds renewed, changed from one form to the other? I imagine a community where all of us release our claim on our lives and what that would mean. Release to the Lord, by the way. Claim on our lives, on our bodies. The Old Testament talks about, if we were to kind of go back uh, between the Old Covenant and New Covenant, it was the whole animal that was sacrificed. If our whole bodies were offered to him, 
as a community individually, what implications might that have for our families, our roommates, sweet mates, colleagues, this community at large? Uh, one of my favorite hymns, I told you I grew up in a Baptocostal space, I think captures a few ideas related to this message really well. One of which is that it captures the need that we have for him. If not for the cross, there's no chance at transformation. And simultaneously, it captures, too, that we get to participate by coming to him. And as I close, I want you to join me in maybe a verse or two of that, because I believe it's in that space, the confession along with the commitment to come. And as we sing, let both be declared today because it's in that space that we can be transformed. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Y'all sing a lot better than me and sing louder than me. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I commit, I come, I come to be renewed, I come to, to Thee. And Jesus, today we recognize our need for You because we recognize who we are not. We recognize that it's the work on the cross alone and our faith in said work that allows us access to Your throne, that allows us access to the kingdom and that faith also includes obedience. Obedience including steps we can actively take because you are not a bully. <laughs> you just beckon and invite us to come. And today we want to be transformed. We declare that conformity is the enemy of renewal and we choose renewal. Everything about our faith is countercultural, and God, we embrace it for all of what you can do exceedingly above, above all that we could ask or think or reason or intellectually wrap our brains around. We come to you. We come to you as those who already know you. We come a little closer. And for those of us who do not know you, God, we hear you inviting us today as well. And now with eyes clothes and heads bowed. This invitation is for those in the room who have yet to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want today to be the first day of a transformed life. And if that is you, if today you want to make Jesus your Lord, because he wants to be your Lord, we want to pray with and for you. 
with heads bowed and eyes closed. If that is you and you do not know Jesus Christ, you don't have a relationship with him, but something today, whether through the worship and song or the offertory prayer or something about that, something that's been said today has touched your heart in a unique way and you want to say yes today, we want to ask you to come up front. We'll just say, raise your hand. And we just want to pray the prayer of salvation with you and pray what the next steps might look like for you in what now can be a transformed life. If that is you, you can raise your hand today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the salvific work done on the cross. And for those of us here who already know you, and before then, God, for those here who may not be ready to take that step of entering in, God, I pray for a continued softening of the heart so that your word can come in and do what no man or woman can do. Transform. Not create a storm-free life. In fact, it may get a little more hectic, <laughs> but it can be a storm-proof one in the kingdom. We thank you for moving on the hearts of those who are pondering, who are wondering, who are asking questions around what this might be like. And let this be a moment toward embracing you fully. And for those of us here who know you, who have confessed you as Lord, who have said maybe years ago or yesterday that we love you and want you to be on the throne of our lives, may we too continue to be transformed. May we in the areas of our lives that have yet to really be turned over, offered, may we take that ne next step of obedience today, tomorrow, this week. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you for the opportunity we get to participate in seeing people reconcile to you and to each other. And this is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are here and maybe you're thinking about salvation, like we just invited you to receive, or maybe you're just thinking, I could just use a little bit of prayer. It'd be nice for somebody to pray with me um, for some of my most pressing needs. Right after service, we'll have some folks here, up here at the altar. You can come up and have them pray with and for you. How many know there's power in conversing with Jesus about our everyday situations? There's power in prayer. So if that is you, we welcome you after the service to come on up and to engage in prayer. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, worship team.